over the last few weeks, uh, we've been talking through, we've been going through a, a series, we've called it uh, Everyday Gospel. It's not up there. Uh, it's called Everyday Gospel. It's in your bulletin. And we've talked about a few different things. We talked about uh, what it looks like to, well, we were working from a definition of discipleship that says, uh, discipleship is to increasingly submit all of life to the empowering presence and lordship of Jesus Christ, right? And so what we've been working from, from that is to say, what is all of life? And we, we realize there's areas of life, we have tons of areas of life, right? And that we let Jesus into some things, we let him in a little bit into other places, and we sometimes just don't talk about some places, and we don't go there. We don't really examine how the gospel can change or should be changing all areas of our life. So over the last few weeks, we've been going through different areas. We've talked about work, how the gospel transforms our work. We've talked about uh, money. We looked at our money and our finances through the lens of the gospel, and we've talked about um, uh, marriage and singleness and how where we are in life, whatever it may look like, is a gift from God and what that looks like through the lens of the gospel. Um, all of these things we've only been able to like crack the door open into, right? These are different areas where there's a lot to talk about, and what we're really encouraging you to do is to go from this place and continue the conversation with each other because there's a lot to talk about and we can't cover it all up here. But we do know that these are some places that we really need to go. We really need to talk about all areas of life and what it looks like through the lens of the gospel. So this week, we're going to talk about hospitality, which is interesting. Maybe it doesn't seem needed since we're a church in the South and, you know, there's that Southern hospitality thing. But most of you guys aren't from here anyways. So uh, I'm not from here. And, and maybe that's even not really the idea, that Southern hospitality. Maybe we're not getting the whole, the whole picture of it. So we're talking about hospitality this morning, and I'd just like to just, we're just going to jump right in, and we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 10, 25 through 37. Uh, you're probably familiar, you may be familiar with the story. It's the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Luke 10, 25 through 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit the eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And then the lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him into an inn, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and you do likewise. Now, if you're like me and you read the story at first, maybe you look at the lawyer and be like, what's this, what's the, what's this guy's deal? Like, you know, uh, who does he think he is? Who's going to put the teacher to the test, put Jesus to the test? This guy's pretty ridiculous. But I, 
As I read it, that's the first person that jumped out to me was this lawyer and his questions. And I wonder uh, how many of us are very much like him and would ask the same sorts of things. Uh, I would even say that maybe, it's just possible, that we even come to church, come to the service, looking to hear what we must do to inherit eternal life. It's possible that we come into this place looking for that answer because, as the song goes, everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. Right? And we know that there's supposed to be some answers in church. There's supposed to be some answers where, where we're talking about Jesus and talking about the Bible. And so maybe we come wondering, what do we have to do to inherit eternal life? If you're like me, and if we're honest, as soon as we hear that we must love God and we love others, that's the right answer, right? That's the great commandment. But as soon as we hear that, we say, I wonder if we just try to reason, kind of like he did. Do we try to reason that we've already met the qualifications? Do we try to justify ourselves? Do we say, oh, we've got to love God and love others? Yeah, I do that. I mean, I, I love God. I love some other people. And then we kind of like the, I like how the lawyer just kind of like, but, I mean, I've done that. Obviously, I know the command. I've got this down, but just what do you think it is in your book, Jesus? Right? So what, just out of curiosity, who is my neighbor in your book? I think that that's why we're talking about hospitality this morning is because I feel like maybe, well, because I do that, right? I come looking for the answers, trying to make sure that I'm on the right path. And I know the answer. I know the great commandment. I know the great commission. And I try to reason that I'm doing it and that I've got it down. And I wonder if we're all in the same boat. That's why we're talking about hospitality this morning. I'm thinking that many can claim to be hospitable, that it's pretty easy for us to point to a point in our, a time in our life, a time in our week maybe, a time in a month or a time of the year where we are hospitable and that we've done our fair share, and maybe we can reason out of that. Uh, what I wonder is if, if we look at hospitality through the eyes of Jesus, if we begin to really look at hospitality through the lens of the gospel, what are we going to find? Have we really done what is required? Are we really doing what's required when it comes to being hospitable, to showing mercy, and to showing compassion on the stranger? Are we expected to do more? Well, I mean, Jesus tells this story about this, this guy coming from Jerusalem to Jericho. He gets beat up. He gets stripped. He gets robbed. He says, it says that they left him, for, left him half dead, right? And then, rather provocatively, really, the priest and the Levite pass by the guy, and the Samaritan, who's kind of like a nobody, uh, is the one that shows mercy. He provides for him, he mends him, he, gets, he helps him back to his journey by paying for his recovery, and gets him set back right. And Jesus said that this is the man, the Samaritan, the nobody, is the one who showed mercy, and the lawyer is told to go and do the same. I think we have to remember as we get started, as I ask the question, what's required of us? Are we doing all that's required? Is that a dangerous question for us to begin to think that we have to do something to add up? And so I just want to be clear that we need to remember that Jesus, we just sang this over us really, that Jesus has shown us mercy, and mercy ought to overflow out of us, right? It's not just a command like, go show mercy, and that's how you're going to earn your way into heaven. Oh, you've been shown, shown mercy. You've been the half dead. You may be half dead if you don't know Christ. If you know Christ, you were half dead. And he showed you mercy, and he showed you compassion. And he provided for you, and he's made a way for you, right? And he's, getting you, he's given you purpose, and he set you up on your feet. 
uh, a guy named Jeff Vanderstelt. Some of you may have heard of him. And if you've come to our lead small workshop, which I encourage you to do, there's one in February. Um, he's, we've been watching some videos with him, and we're going to watch a video with him in a second. But uh, anyways, he defines hospitality in this way. Uh, hospitality is about treating strangers as equals by creating space for them to be protected, provided for, and taken care of, followed by assisting and guiding them to their next destination. And then he goes on to explain how this is an accurate definition by examining scripture from creation on, how the whole Bible, the whole story uh, uh, is, is about God's hospitality for us. It shows God's hospitality. Uh, so the first question I would ask is, what, uh, what did God do when he created the Garden of Eden for a man and woman to live in? He, he gave Adam and Eve all that they needed to enjoy life, to enjoy life restfully, to do the work that he provided for them, that he created for them to do, to live out their purpose. He provided everything. He protected them. He took care of them, and he guided them through life. He's the one that told them not to eat and what to eat and all that. But then, I mean, and then they, of course, we know that Adam and Eve didn't listen to the guidance. They listened to the serpent. They ate the, the fruit, and there's the fall. But even immediately following the fall, as they become strangers of God... We see God provide for them again by providing skins and covering them, covering their shame so that they could move on. What did God do? What did God command Israel concerning hospitalities? Uh, in Le- Leviticus 19.10, uh, the people were commanded, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. And he commanded them in Deuteronomy 10.19, Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You were half dead, and you were protected, and you were cared for. I've guided you. Now you do the same for others. We know that Israel failed to be what God called them to be. They failed to show the mercy that had been shown towards them, and by showing mercy, by pointing the nations to know the one true God. They failed in that regard. And so in steps Jesus the rescuer, the savior. Jesus comes, he feeds the hungry, he heals broken hearts, he eats with tax collectors, he drinks with drunkards, he gives life, uh, he gives his life to cleanse us, he gives his life to take care of us, Uh, he gives us life to provide us with a way back into right relationship with the God who showed us hospitality all the way along. Uh, He provides a way for rest, he provides a way for renewal, and he gives us a purpose so that we would be on mission with Jesus. Jesus saved us. This is one of the points, the big points I want us to get, is that Jesus saved us to be his hospitable people to those who are strangers of God. Jesus saved us in this room. If you're Christian, Jesus saved you into being a hospitable people who would be hospitable to those who are strangers of God, just as you once were a stranger of God. And I'll quote Jeff one more time. He says that God allows us to experience grace as recipients so that we can distribute, so that we might be distributors of grace to others. Jesus shared mercy with us so that we might distribute mercy to others. Over the last few weeks, we've, uh, we've had a few members of the church come up and talk about some stuff. I, I think that's been really good. I've enjoyed that. We're going to do something a little bit different just for a few minutes. And uh, we're going to look at a, we're going to watch a little video. It's just a little conversation with Jeff Vanderstelt who's talking about hospitality. And this is just a clip. And it starts off with the first question uh, that he's asked is, is about whether hospitality is a gift or a command, right? Because it is listed in the spiritual gifts. Is hospitality a gift or command, or maybe it's a little bit of both? 
I think it's both. Yeah, I mean, I think there are some remarkably gifted in it, and their job then is to equip the church in hospitality. I think, like I shared with you earlier, I think there's a wrong, there's a real misunderstanding of hospitality in the church, because um, in some ways it's almost like there's some people are good at like creating space for people to be known, for people to live, for people to feel cared for, and that, I think that's a part of hospitality is creating the space knowing how to create space for people to be, to be known, and to become, those three things. Um, but then there's the other side of hospitality that we have a misunderstanding of. We think it's like Christians having fellowship. And that's not, that's not biblical hospitality. Biblical hospitality is making space for the stranger. And uh, so whether it was the nation of Israel making space for the stranger to come in and glean from the fields or to you know, care for the, the stranger in their midst, or it was the household saying, we're always exercising hospitality, which requirement of an elder is, be hospitable. And so their understanding was they actually made space for strangers because they had an evangelistic heart in the church. It wasn't like you had to put it into the church. It was at the heart of the church. So they, when they said be hospitable, it's because the elders were supposed to set an example so everybody in the church knew what it looked like. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I, well, I think, I think that's one of them. Uh, and it stems from a misunderstanding. It also, I mean, I'm, you're not, I'm not answering your full question yet because I want to give a couple things here, if it's okay. Um, I think the church has been taught to idolize their home, idolize their family, and idolize their, themselves. Individualistic, they look at their home as their castle, their refuge, instead of their place of ministry. That needs to be undone. Um, so, so when you say, like, what are some of the biggest ones, I'd say the ra rampant individualistic approach to Christianity is, is really hurting us. So when I say be hospitable, people go, yeah, but that's my house. And I go, no, it's not your house. It's God's house. You don't own anything anymore. It's his. So, but now I'm, I'm hitting on the idol of, of individualism, individualism in our culture or materialism. Um, so I'd say... Lack of hospitality, but I think it comes back to the bigger problem, and that is a radical individualism in our faith. And most people have been taught Christianity is about a personal relationship with God. So it's me and him, me and my quiet time. So we only feed individualism most often by find a church that you like, that appeals to you, that speaks to you. And it's like, yeah, the scripture said there'd be a time when people would not put up a sound doctrine. They would just rather get people who would say what they want to hear. That's individualism, that coming out. So the other thing I think that's a real b big problem is people just don't know the gospel well. Uh, it's crazy, but I ask most people, tell me the gospel, they don't know what to tell you. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Okay, that's part of it. Can you tell me the whole? And most people don't talk about the resurrection. They don't talk about sin. They don't talk about what he saved us for. They don't talk about the spirit coming to reside in us as a temple. So there's all these things that I think it's just, it's very deficient. Most people's view of the gospel is deficient. All right. So, I would say, excuse me, <coughs> uh, why are we called to be hospitable? I think simply put, it's because we're called to be disciple makers. We talk about that a lot around here, but we're called to, to call the strangers of God into the family of God. Uh, here we say our vision is to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. You may have heard us say that numerous times, almost every week. We're here to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. That means we're here to make disciples that make disciples, right? If we're called to do that, then hospitality is, where, is what, how it happens, is how it ha what it happens through. It's as we call strangers into the family of God. 
so Jesus tells the lawyer back in the, the parable, the Good Samaritan, to, to have mercy on his, neighborhood, on his neighbor like the Samaritan showed mercy uh, to the stranger. And we're called to show mercy to the beaten, to the robbed, the naked, the invisible, and the half-dead. We're called to meet them in their physical needs. Now, most of you, and my, me too, are not coming across people who are physically beaten, robbed, naked, invisible, and half-dead, right? Now, he doesn't say invisible. I said that. Uh, we're not coming across those people, but maybe you, you, you are. Maybe there's people who are abused. Maybe there's people who are half-dead. Maybe there's people who have been robbed of the joy in their life, have been robbed of the gospel. Maybe there's people that are invisible that you just don't see. I think Aaron Snow, when we brought him up a, little, a few weeks back, talked a little bit about his heart for those who are invisible. Maybe we come across them and it doesn't look like a guy on the side of the street bleeding. But I'm guessing that we all come across this stranger just about every day, if not every day. So if we're called to be hospitable, that's treating strangers uh, as equals by creating space for them to be protected, provided for, and taken care of, followed by assisting and guiding them to their next destination. If we're to, to do that, then the very best we have to give them, the very best thing that we have to give a stranger is not food or water or bandage or coins for their hotel stay. The very best thing that we have to give them is the gospel. Those are all ways to get there. That's, we have to meet their physical need, but the very best thing that we have is to give them the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus that's made a way for them to find rest, to provide a way for renewal, and has made a way for us to serve our created purpose as children of God. Our hospitality must be rooted in that. We were once alienated and hostile to God. That's in Colossians 1.21. And we who were strangers have become heirs of Christ, as Paul Right, we have become heirs with Christ, uh, like, like I said in Romans uh, 8.17. If we're going to be hospitable, it's got to be rooted in the fact that we once were hostile and alienated from God, and we were strangers, but we've been called in with Christ to be heirs. Uh, true hospitality, so what I, this is what I'm really getting at, is that true hospitality shares the gospel through physically meeting needs, yes, but it actually says it. If we, that's the best gift we can give somebody is the, the gospel. We have to say it. Uh, there's an old saying that was wrongly attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. You've probably heard it before, and you probably have heard it as wrongly attributed. So I'm sorry that I even threw his name in there, but whatever. Preach the gospel at all times and use words if necessary. No, stop. I get it. But let's not believe, and I, I think that I'm guilty of this, and I think that we might be guilty of this as a church, but let's not believe that people are just going to hear the gospel through the way you live. I met with some pastors this, this week, and we were just talking about how we're going to reach the city and, and how that's going to happen. We were praying for that. You know, we just, we're all at different places, but one, one of the pastors was talking about, like, man, I can't even get the people in my church to, like, not be jerks to the waitress. I can't even get the people in my church to, like, live in a way that would share the gospel, Right? And I, I said then, like, I, don't, I feel like we, we're getting it at our church as far as that goes. We live pretty kindly. We don't leave the, $100 fake, the fake $100 tip things on the, uh, what are they, the, the tracks, the fake $100 tracks. We don't leave those for people. That's mean. We don't do things like that, right? But I wonder if we're actually sharing the gospel, like if it's ever followed up with actual words. Jesus proclaimed the good news. Jesus spoke it. 
It says this in Colossians 1, 15 through 20, that Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. If Jesus is the image of the invisible God, if all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him, and he wasn't satisfied to just let the gospel happen through his life, but he had to speak it. If Jesus spoke the good news of people, if Jesus brought a message, if Jesus preached a sermon, if Jesus had to share with the lady, the, the, the woman at the well, then certainly we must, right? It's not okay to just preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, say, use words. Wow, we've got we've to preach the gospel at all times with our life, and we're doing pretty well, I think. We could do better but we, we got to use words. We have to actually say it. Jesus did. Uh, now lately, at the beginning of the year, if you've not been around, we had a meeting, we had a banquet, we served some lasagnas and some baked spaghettis, I think, and some salad and bread and all that kind of stuff. Anyways, round tables, and we came in here and we had a little meeting and we said, hey, this is where we want to go in the new year. These are the things that we want to see happen in 2016. We have some goals. We want to see God move at Redemption Church. And one of the things we put out there was that we would like to see salvation happen. We would like to see some baptism. You know, that that would be a real win. That would be really awesome to see God move in somebody's life and, and, and change them and take, take them from half dead to living, right? And so I said we wanted to pray, and we prayed this last year, but it, I don't know, we just, we just stopped focusing on it. So we're going to focus on it again, but we prayed. We said we're going to pray for 100 people to come to know Christ at Redemption Church this year. And I didn't say this, and I should have said that, but the 100 isn't just a number. Like, we're not about numbers, right? The 100 is coming from a place of 100 is a lot bigger than we could do, which we really can't do even one because it's all because of the Holy Spirit, right? But we know that 100 is, like, unattainable for us. There's probably not even 100 people in this room, <laughs> But it's also tied to another goal that we have at Redemption Church, which is to be a church that plants churches and to be a church that actually sees this church replicate into another church in our city. And so just practically speaking, if we had 100 people come to know Christ, that's 100 new people in our midst that would go and plant a church. And honestly, I'd rather plant a church with 100 people who've just come to know Christ than 100 people who have come from other churches from all over the place and all around us because of church hopping and such like that. Not that, not that if you're here and you're at another church, I'm bashing you. I'm just saying I'd rather start with some people who were just half dead and who are now awake and who are alive. Anyways, we've been talking about that. We're going to be praying for that weekly that we would see 100 people come to know Christ at this church this year. If that's going to happen, it's going to take prayer, number one, because Holy Spirit changes lives. We don't, and it's through Jesus, not by us. However, if it's going to happen, it's going to be because we have been shown mercy, and we've let that mercy flow through us, and we're willing to go and share the gospel with the strangers. If it's going to happen, it's going to start because we're going to be hospitable to the strangers. I'm going to be hospitable to the strangers that I pass every day. If it's going to happen, it's going to start with me. It's going to start with you. 
I'm going to have to have meals with people I don't know. I'm going to have to drink with people I don't know. I'm going to have to open my doors to people I don't know, and I'm going to have to have open ears for people I don't know. We have to provide a space for these people who don't know Christ to rest. A space for people who are weary and who have been beaten up and robbed and left naked and who are half dead. We have to provide a place for them to to find rest, a space where they might belong, and a space to find guidance to move forward. If we reach 100 people at Redemption Church, it'll be because I share with them the good news of Jesus with my mouth and because the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of their heart to know and comprehend what, the love, what kind of love God has for them. And it will mean that you, each one of you, do the same. It will mean that you give a cup of cold water to the invisible, that you listen to their struggles, that you share the gospel with them in what you're doing, in your life, and with your mouth. And point them to Jesus. Lead them to know their Father who loves them dearly, and lead them to know their Father who's made, who created them on purpose and has a purpose for them. So why are we called to be hospitable? That was the question I asked. Because we're called to be disciple makers. We're called to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. We know the scripture. We know the Great Commission to go and make disciples that make disciples. We know we're called to do that. This is how we do it. And we do that by showing mercy and loving our neighbor. To one another, yes, we're neighbors. That's where I, that's where I, I think we could trip up easily and be like, yeah, I'm hospitable. I mean, I had my MC over last week. That's a good thing. I'm not knocking that, right? I'm hospitable. I had somebody from church over, and that's good. Keep doing that. But we're not only called to do it with each other. We're called to be hospitable to the stranger. Here's some questions I want you to ask yourself. And Jeff hit on it a little bit. Do we know the gospel? Do you know the gospel? Like, can you articulate the gospel? Man, I did a member interview for my, when I became a member of this church. I did it right before we did the spoken, like where we interview people, right? And we just share our stories and stuff. And uh, that question was on the sheet. And I remember struggling. Like, I mean, yeah, I know the gospel. I've grown up. And I had to really struggle to articulate the gospel in my written interview. What about you? Do you know the gospel? Can you articulate it? Can you say how it's changed your life? Maybe this is a suggestion. Ask those questions and then just be honest with each other in MC or wherever. But maybe we ought to practice sharing the gospel with one another. Maybe we ought to listen to each other's stories, practice speaking the gospel into it, practice saying it, practice articulating it. Do you know the gospel? Do you know the good news? And can you say it when you hand somebody the water, when you buy somebody a meal, when you open the doors to your house? Is it on your lips all the time because it's what's changed your life? And lastly, I want to talk about a few ways that we are called to be hospitable. How are we called to actually be hospitable? What are we supposed to actually do? Now, this is kind of one of those things. This is where I hope that the, can, the discussion continues as you go back to missional communities and your DNAs and friends' houses and stuff like that. Continue to discuss these things. I don't know if anybody's talking about the things we've asked you to talk about for the last few weeks. We really want you to talk about those things. If you forgot anything and you want some more questions, just let me know and I'll get you the, we'll get you the questions. But have the conversations. And have this one. This is where I hope that the discussion continues, where you, you'll meet with each other and you'll, you'll, you'll go and examine how you're being hospitable through the lens of the gospel, to what extent it should be, and, uh, and, and maybe what you are doing and what you're not doing. Uh, we've talked a lot about 
over the last several weeks, we've talked a lot about stewarding uh, good gifts that God has given us. We talked about money, like, you know, if we're going to be a good steward of God's money, then it's because we realize that it's not our money, it's God's money, and he gifted us with it. And so we are stewards of it because of that. It's his, we can trust him. Uh, We talked about if you're single or if you're married, then you steward that because we recognize that it's a good gift from God and that it's given to us to be stewarded, to proclaim the gospel, right? Well, to become hospitable to the extent that we're called, we have to see that we have nothing. We have to remember that. We really have nothing. And Jeff, I think, said that in the video too. It's like, it's not your home. It's God's home. Do we really, that's, is that okay? We have nothing. Everything that we have is God's and he's given it to us as a gift to steward and to proclaim the good news to the stranger of God. Even your house, your sanctuary, your recliner, your backyard, your grocery budget. You have to have money to cook these people some food, Right? Um, we go back to Leviticus 19.10 again. It says, uh, You shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the falling grapes of the vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So I would ask the question, are we building in room for the poor and the sojourner in our budgets? Are we leaving some stuff at the edge? Are we give, providing some margin for hospitality? Are we providing margin to be hospitable to strangers? It's a question I want you to ask together. Are we building in room for the poor and the sojourner in our budgets? And by budget, I mean like your your time budget, your your grocery budget, your relationship budget. Do you have a place for strangers in your relationship budget? What about your finances? And the next question I want us to think through, and I don't know if this is the right way to ask this question. It's just the the way that I was thinking through it is like, how does it look uh, to be hospitable for the extrovert, and how does it look to be hospitable for the introvert? Because I think that uh, this is something I know. A little, and, uh, as we watched the video just a minute ago, he talked about how some people have a gift for hospitality. We're all commanded to be hospitable, right? And some people are just good at like making a space for people. That's what he says on there, right? Some people are just good at making space for people to feel at home, to feel welcome. They can talk to them. They can bring them in. Uh, so those of you who are good at that, and I don't know if that's just extrovert, I, I'm not the authority here, okay? But if you're good at that, keep doing it, right? But what about, what about those who struggle? I, I struggle. I, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Our missional community last year, I think it was Labor Day, we decided we needed to be hospitable to the neighborhood, and we needed to actually meet the strangers in our neighborhood that we don't know. And so we decided that we would do like a big cookout in my front yard. I figure if it's in the front yard, people are always walking up and down the streets in Old Town. And so we figured if we do it in the front yard, we can invite people in. I'm down with cooking some barbecue, so I got on that. Zach came over, and we started cooking. And here's the thing. I'm not good at talking to my neighbors. So I, I was kind of looking forward to this because I knew that it would help me a little bit, and it would actually maybe introduce me to my neighbors. But I know I'm not good at it. And, uh, and Zach is. I asked if I could say this. He said, yeah. But Zach is really good at meeting my neighbors. And so he comes over in the morning. We put the meat on the grill. And because Zach is there, I'm feeling really intentional and feeling like I, like I have somebody watching over me and keeping me accountable. And so I have to invite my neighbors over now because Zach's in my front yard. <laughs> and so Zach got to see firsthand what it's like when I talk to my neighbors. <laughs> it's really bad, you know, because I'm a little bit shy. If I don't know you, I, I don't like to talk because I'm, I'm terrified of you probably. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so... 
we're out there cooking. I think we're getting some out of the car, and I see this neighbor, like my next-door neighbor. She's lived there for a couple months, and I've never said anything to her. After people are there for a while, I'll get convicted about it, and I'll just be like, you know, I'll try to say hi. And, and that happened in that moment. And uh, she walks across the yard, and I was like, oh, oh i got to say something. Zach's not doing it, so I'm going to have to. i got to show Jack that I, or Zach, not Jack, Jack's my son. i got to show Zach that I can be hospitable, that I can greet my neighbors. And so I was like, hi, how are you? <laughs> something like that. Good morning. And that's how it always comes out when I talk to my neighbors. And they're terrified of me. And I'm terrified of them, and it's not good. Right? It's very scary. And it's just like, it's so awkward, because then I know how I sounded. You know, and Zach's like, whoa. <laughs> he did. He was like, oh, way to be nice, or way to be a jerk, or whatever. I've had that happen to me several times, where a friend's with me, and I was like, man, you really sound like a jerk. Like, I was being friendly. I don't know. So, but you know what was great is that as we sat out in the front yard, it was my house. I was welcoming people into my house, and I can do that. I'm not good at starting up the conversation. I'm not really good at creating the space in the conversation with people. But Zach was. And so as we sat out there, lots of people would pass, and Zach did the work of inviting them over. And the neighbors came that night at 4 o'clock, or whatever it was. We had a few of the neighbors come over. We got to know them, and it was really cool. Um, my point is this. We have to contribute. I know that it's a struggle for some of us to be hospitable. Some of us are more gifted in it than others. And some of us are going to struggle a little bit with it. But what do you have that you can be hospitable with? What has God given you that you can be hospitable with? I like to cook. I like to have people over. I do like having people in my house. I just don't want to talk to them, you know? <laughs> so contribute what you do have. Open your home if you can open your home. Host to the best of your ability. And get others there who are gifted in the area of making that space to welcome in the stranger. You know what? It might be that we actually kind of tag team in that, in that area. Some are pretty good. I think my wife are like this. You know, she's probably better at talking to people before she knows them, and then I'm better at talking about... We were talking about that last night. I like meaningful conversations. Claire doesn't. Right? And we can... That's not throwing her under the bus. I'm just saying. Anyways, contribute. Open her home. Get together. There's areas that you're gifted in that others aren't. And there's others who are gifted in the areas you aren't. And we can trust God that if we give what we have, what he's given us to be hospitable to the stranger, he'll use it. Listen, nobody's calling you to do all of this alone. That's what I want you to hear. Nobody's calling you to do all of this alone. Yes, you individually, we individually need to be hospitable. We have to have a demeanor of hospitality everywhere we go. We have to be, we do have to actually do it alone in some aspect. But... What draws us all to the church in, in Acts 2 is how they shared all things, isn't it? I'm going to read that scripture, Acts 2, 42 through 47. It's probably the most shared scripture in church ever. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and, of prayer, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had, in, had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, not just to each other. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's what we're praying for to happen here. And it sounds to me like nobody was ever left alone to make it happen by themselves. It sounds to me like they were together. 
I saw this commercial as I was looking for different videos and stuff, but I saw this commercial for tourism in Greece, and it starts out as like this guy in this art museum, and he's looking at this picture, I guess it's in Greece, that makes sense, and it's like an orchard, and the guy just loves, I guess he really likes or orchards or something. Anyways, and he puts his hand on the painting, and as he does that, you know, he's like whisked away into Greece, and you see that he's picking this orange on the outside of this orchard, or I don't know if it's an orange, it's a piece of fruit. <laughs> Do they have oranges in Greece? I don't know. Anyway, so he, he picks the, the fruit, and he's on the outside of this, uh, this orchard, and all of a sudden, from out between the trees comes the owner of the orchard with, like, his box, and he's kind of just looking at him like... And there's a standoff. The guy's like, oh, no, I stole one of your millions of pieces of fruit. And the, the, guy's, the guy comes out with his box, and he looks at the orange. Then all of a sudden, you see they're walking together up to the house, and they come into this, you know, up into this outdoor dining area, and the whole family's out there, and it's like, oh, we're Greek, and they all come in, they're partying together, they're eating euros and whatnot, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden, the stranger belonged right there in the family with them. And then, at the end, the man takes his hand away, right, and you could almost feel it with him in the commercial, and it's just like, oh, Greece, that's where I belong, right? Uh, so the one man... This is what I want us to get from that. The one man, the, 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 the orchard guy, he connects with the stranger. He does do his part individual, individually. But the real welcome, the real hospitality took place when he brought him to the table with the family. And everybody at that table had to be hospitable, right? If everybody was kind of like standoffish and one guy was okay with him being there, he doesn't take his hand off the painting and all of a sudden like wish he was in Greece. He was like, he'd just take his hand off his painting and be like, Phew. That was awkward, right? Listen, the call isn't to live hospitably toward one another only. We are probably pretty good at that. I think that we're pretty good at being hospitable to one another. Certainly, we could probably get better. We're maybe so good at being hospitable towards one another that we need the reminder of the Good Samaritan as we could be in danger of believing that we have been hospitable enough. We haven't been hospitable enough. No, the call isn't to live hospitably towards one another only, nor is it to live hospitably toward others alone. The call this morning is to live hospitably toward others together. That's why you're going to have to talk to each other. That's why you're going to have to pray together. That's why you're going to have to talk about what you struggle with when it comes to hospitality, when it comes to showing mercy to strangers, when it comes to connecting with strangers. You know, 1 Peter 2.9 says that we're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. It says that once we were not a people, but now we are. That means we're in this together, right? If we want to see 100 people saved, nobody's just praying that, that it'll just happen. We're in this together. Jesus has invited us in on that. This is a family. We're in this together. Our purpose statement is gospel community mission at Redemption Church. The gospel changes us and draws us into community so that we, as his people, can proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into marvelous light, so that we, together, as community, can shine the light on others, on the stranger, so that we can show mercy to, to those who are strangers of God. So I want you to talk together about this. Maybe you should ask this question in your MCs, your DNAs, whatever. What challenges do you face when it comes to being hospitable? Are you mean to your neighbors when you try to say good morning? How can we come alongside each other to become better at being hospitable?
what do you struggle with when the, when, with this? What do you struggle with in hospitality? And how can we come alongside each other to make it to get better? Do you know what it feels like to be left on your own? That's what we're called to ease the burden of. That hurts. Nobody likes to be left alone. This leads me to the last question. Listen, there's a lot more that we could talk about on hospi- hospitality. I had about five more things to talk about in different areas we can go into on that, so there's a lot more to talk about. But like we said, these, this series, is all we can really do is begin to crack open the door into some areas of life that, uh, that we think we need to go to and examine through the lens of the gospel. So we're sending you out to do more of that. Uh, so this morning, is we're just opening the door on this, on this discussion. Uh, why don't you, I want to send you out back to your missional communities, especially to begin to carry on this discussion. The last question I want to ask is uh, meant for you to talk through, talk through together with your MC. How can we as a missional community... If you don't know what MC is, I can just keep saying MC. It's missional community. That's the groups we do in our homes, in our neighborhoods. This is where we live life on life together. That's the idea. If you want more information on that, uh, Guest Services has a list of all the ones that are going on and can connect you. Uh, How can we as a missional community create more hospitable environments for others to experience and hear the gospel? Ask that question together. How can we create a more hospitable environment for others to experience and hear the gospel? So I would ask that we talk to that. How can a stranger experience the gospel among you and your missional community? Maybe you need to ask, this is just an idea. This is an experiment you could do. You could ask some unchurched people what it feels like to come to your missional community. Like you could invite them in to critique you. You could ask them if they feel, if they feel comfortable or if they feel like it's really weird. It's probably a good thing to figure out. What does it feel like in your missional communities and in your groups and in your homes for the stranger to come in? Is it comfortable or is it weird? Is it a place of rest, a place where people can just be? Is it a place that makes a space for the stranger to belong? Is it a, a place that will help equip them for the journey ahead? Is it a place where people can find rest and just be, a place where people can belong, and a place where they can be equipped for the journey ahead? Maybe you need to uh, get intentional about doing things outside of the weekly Bible studies. That's what we want missional communities to become. It's not just a weekly circle Bible study. It's a place where you're connecting with each other, each other, living life on life with each other, uh, and getting, in, getting into the, the, the all areas of life together and speaking the gospel into one another's lives, but together proclaiming the gospel into your neighborhoods and into our city. Also ask this, how can the stranger hear the gospel among you? Is the gospel, is the good news of Jesus Christ explicitly shared often? Is it only in Bible study, or is it just coming up all the time? Is it always on your lips? Is it always on everybody's minds as we share stories and as we share our day-to-day with each other? How is the stranger who would come among you, how are they going to hear the gospel? We need to consider that. On that note, and I'm closing, I'm going to read Romans 10, uh, verse 14. It says this, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So I would just ask that we change that old saying from preach the gospel at all times and use words as necessary to just preach the gospel at all times together, right? Just preach the gospel at all times. That's what we're calling you to this morning. It's a life 
of hospitality towards each other and towards the strangers, of mercy flowing, of mercy being poured out flowing from the mercy that's been put into us. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your great hospitality towards us, that you have saved us who are beaten and broken and invisible and on the side of the road, that you came for us who are half dead. If we know you, we have life because of the hospitality you showed toward us. You brought us into right relationship with our Father, the great provider, our creator. You paid our debt as the Samaritan paid the, the debt of the, the stranger on the road. You've paid our debt in full. You've made a way for us. You've set us on a journey. You've given us purpose. You've called us to be children of God, that we would be a people for your own possession who would proclaim the excellencies of your salvation to others, that we would shine a light in the dark places of the world. Father, I pray that this morning you cause us to, to hear the gospel, that you cause it to awaken us to the fact that there's strangers among us, that there's strangers of you in our neighborhoods, on our streets, in our workplaces, everywhere we go, there's people who do not know you and are half dead. And I pray, Father, that you help us to become uh, hospitable towards them, that you cause us to proclaim the gospel. And Lord, I'm praying for even just the one this week that would hear your gospel from somebody at Redemption Church. And Lord, I'm praying that your Holy Spirit would begin to work in their hearts, even now, that, they would be, that their eyes of their heart would be open to know what great love it is that you have for us, that what great love it is that you have for them, that you would send your only son to die and make a way. Lord, I thank you for this time in Jesus' name.